one of the first things he asked was on a scale of one to 10, what's your commitment to your marriage? And he had us write it down on a piece of paper and I wrote a 10 and he wrote a zero. No <laughs> so. way. And now. <laughs> Coming to you from the K2 studios in San Diego, California. This sounds great. You sound amazing. I always sound amazing. It's the world famous. Everybody should laugh like BFS. Chris and Christine Show. Hey, what's happening, everybody? How are you doing today? You know, thank you so very much for listening. And I am Chris. And I'm Christine. And welcome to episode 113 of the Chris and Christine Show. Do, 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 do. Good old fantastic. Happy Saturday of 2022. Check that out. This isn't our first Saturday of 2022, is it? Is this our second one? Well, actually, New Year's Day was on the was on obviously yeah new year's day was on saturday okay. of last year so this we have gone through an official full first week of 2022 did you make it I are you did, still here i did make it but it seems like it's been like three weeks since the year started i don't know why but it feels like we've done so much in the first eight days of this year uh considering we have not even gone eight days in the year honey it's um the first was exactly seven days ago today's the eighth though is it yeah, today's January 8th. Gosh, my goodness. <laughs> I look well, at the by the time the listeners are listening to this, it's the next day, It January could be in the future. 9th. And the thing yeah. about podcasting I was thinking about is that you can listen to the show like five years from now, <laughs> you know, and not even think about it. It's funny. People like sometimes they get so backed up on listening to episodes that they're like listening. Oh, I just listened to your uh, Easter episode from last year <laughs> or whatever it could be. That's all right. It's kind of like a fun way. It's like binge watching Netflix. You know, people sometimes they get behind and then they'll like sit down and or drive on a long trek and then listen to us back to back. And so if you're just getting back on track with your podcasts, welcome back. We know that some people had a couple of weeks off for work. So we totally understand if you're just tuning in. What is that even like having that much time off from work? I'm so jealous. I always get jealous when people are off of work, you know? Yeah, you totally do. But then when I'm off of work, I do so much other work. It's like, it's almost like when you're working, Sometimes you have to let go of those like day-to-day tasks and then you just like bust them all out. I think that's what I've been doing this morning. I've been like hyper productive. I'm not on vacation, but I've been like super productive mode since I woke up. When you say productive mode, are you talking like business related or like house related type stuff? Both. So this morning, um, you know, I woke up, I was up late last night doing business stuff. I woke up early this morning and I was doing business related tasks with like getting some wedding galleries downloaded, pulling some Instagram content for my business. Then um, you woke up. And so then I had coffee with you, but then I had to like get ready. I had a Zoom consultation with some potential clients out of Oklahoma. And then... Oklahoma? Yeah, they're going to be getting married here in San Diego. And so then I had the consult with them, had to create a mood board and then folded like Three loads of laundry because we have so much laundry. Hey, going back to the mood board, for those who may not know, what is a mood board? Is it like when you're really grumpy one day and then you're like happy another? Um, It's like a board that shows the mood. <laughs> no, so what it is, is it's like a design concept or design term. It's where you're trying to bring something to life, whether like interior designers use it or... Like different types of stylists use it. But for me, I create it for the floral design for my weddings. And so I bring together 
like whatever their vibe is that they want for their wedding, their color scheme, and their personalities. And I try to build out a visual. It's typically just one to two um, boards. I create it in Canva.com. I have a pro subscription. And so I bring it in. It's kind of like a subscription. It's kind of like a photo collage, but a little bit fancier. So it's a lot like what you do for our podcast logos where you're bringing together like a background image, our logo, the guest and font. I bring that together, but I relate it to the weddings. And then that's part of their proposal package. When they get a floral proposal from me, they get a mood board that kind of guides the concept of their entire wedding. Do you think those mood boards is kind of like what those TV shows would do when they do the home makeover and they have the iPad and they would like do this 3D rendering <laughs> yeah, of, exactly. what, of what your like kitchen will look like yeah. when it's all finished and they'll like have this 3D modeling? Is that kind of like it? Totally. Yeah. And it's so funny because last week on – I think I don't know if I mentioned this on last week's episode, but on Sunday of last week – I went with uh, one of my couples, one of my sets of clients up to do a walkthrough of their venue. We were doing a, they call it the design meeting. And they had taken the mood board that I'd created for them a few months ago and printed it out on like a large scale printer. So it was like, I don't know, like 16, 18 inches big. And they laid that out on the table when we were meeting with the venue to show them what their vision is for their entire day. It was super flattering to see somebody actually go to that much effort to see how it guides their vision. And so I think it's kind of like being like the interior designer of weddings where you get to help like vision cast for them. And then at the end on their wedding day, you get to look back and take actual photos and compare it to like what did we envision on the mood board and was the actuality of it even better? Now, are these pretty close to what you started with, to what your actual final finished product ends up being? Or did they go way off script here? No, they look pretty similar for the most part. I mean, of course, it's my creativity. I'm not trying to copy somebody else's work. I bring in different types of flowers and things like that. But sometimes the hard thing is when you're getting started on designing the wedding concept is so many brides go to like Pinterest or Google and then they'll send you inspiration photos and then I have to put my own spin on it. And so I have a part of my contract that talks about artistic license. So it's like even if we have a concept, I can within the parameters of the overall design concept use my artistic powers, I guess, to adjust. But what about them? What if they don't like that? What if the bride's like, well, I have my own vision and you're going against my vision. So do you ever have to like flip flop how you design something and they don't like it or what? Um, So I think that I've only had one client where I was working with the wood flowers. Um, It was something I was totally unfamiliar with, but it was something that they'd asked for. And I was taking photos along the way. Uh, But the part that was hard about that is we didn't have a mood board to start with because I was doing coordination for them. If I had a mood board, I would have been able to match it up. But in this specific instance, it was kind of like, guess what's in their head? And so that's Ooh, why... The guessing game, huh? I know. So that's why the well, mood board... guess boards, what color you want to use today. Yeah. So that's why the mood board is super helpful. But um, I was working on a mood board, folded a bunch of laundry, did... I called it like a little 10-minute miracle cleanup of our bedroom. So um, got our bed made, tidied up, got rid of little clutter and stuff around the bedroom. Um, so you're basically saying you're in a GSD mode this morning. You want to get stuff done today. I, I, all day because I have to leave tomorrow for no, work what, for four days. What? What? Are you telling me you're leaving me? Yeah. For four days? Yes. Where are you going, babe? 
I just have to go do a work trip. I mean, it's just going to be a couple towns away, so I'll only be 15 miles away. I don't need to get into all the details, but the point is, for the first time since COVID started almost two years ago, I have to start traveling again for work. Uh, you know, I travel for work every single day, I know you multiple do. times a day. So uh, I know because you're, you're kind of me. a big deal. Yeah, I guess. Yes, I'm playing the world's smallest violin for you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking of being, uh, you know, traveling and running around like crazy all the time, we have a special visitor into the K2 studios today. We definitely do. Little Clover Bear has been feeling a little bit lonely while we've been recording today. So if you hear a little bit of jingling, a little bit of licking on the microphone, it's because my best girl is sitting right here with me. She's on your lap right now. You're, yeah, pe- you're she petting is. her and she was licking the microphone. And I she's know. Like, I want to say something. Yeah. You know, she, she was barking earlier. So she's like whining, like, come on, let me out, let me yeah, out, let yeah. me out. It's like, fine, I'll hold you. You can be partic- yeah. You can be, a, you can get your own little microphone set up and be <laughs> on the Chris and Christine show. So she gets puppuccinos at, fr- at uh, Starbucks. So why not give her her own little puppaphone? <laughs> Fantastic. But enough about my week. You haven't shared with everybody what's been happening um, in your week this week well being that it is the very first week of the new year how exciting is that we completed an entire week so far do you feel old yet at least one week older yes no i don't but what have you done in that first week of the year to really start your 2022 off on the right foot i've been doing quite a bit of course i'm always running podtastic audio you can find Ooh. that at uh, podpage.com slash podtastic dash audio Okay, so what else have you been doing other than I had, promoting your I, podcast? I was a guest on another podcast yesterday, did that through a new process that I've never used before, a new tool, and I was kind of thrown off by it because we do our interviews here on Chris and Christine's show. We use Clean Feed because it's pretty simple, pretty straightforward. It's very user-friendly, I would say. So when the guy told me yesterday he does it through something called Discord. Wait, you mean like the one that the kids stream their like video games through Discord? Yeah, I think same thing. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, I didn't know you could use it for podcasting. I'm just an old fuddy-duddy, so I don't know what that even means. <laughs> but uh, you kids and your games, your TikToks, your TikWax and whatever you guys do. So <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, he sends me this thing. He says, here's the link to your Discord to join in. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll, the interview is not till Friday. I'll join in on Friday. So he sends me a message like Wednesday. Have you clicked the link? I'm like, well, no, it's three days away from the interview. Why would I click the link? Why would I click click the thing? Uh, so, I, so I said, I'll just click it when I need to be for the interview. Mm-hmm. So the interview comes. I go click the link. And I'm like in there, totally confused. And it says, please enter your username and password. I'm like, what? What password? So I text the guy. I'm like, what's the password? And he's kind of confused too. Like, what are you talking about? What password? I said, well, I sent a screenshot of the screen I'm looking at. I sent it back to him. I said, look, it says password. And I don't know what the password is. Oh, you have to, sign up, you have to set up an account. And I'm like, What? I got to set up an account. This is why he asked you several days early, but you're like, I'm just going to show up. You were being a diva is what you were being. Well, you're like every Mariah pl- Carey at the Times Square. Well, thank you so much. But every platform you use, whether it's Zoom or even Clean Feed, I think even maybe even, I don't know, I know most of them that you just send a link. It makes it very user friendly on the guest side. So all they have to do is click a link or call a number mm-hmm. or something. So it's just one click you're in. I had to set up an entire account, get a password, get the whole thing set up. I just did whatever the basics was to get in there. And the way he did it was, I guess he recorded it on their version of the recorder. I guess that's like Zoom, but you can do Zoom without the video. Mm -hmm. So he kind of did the whole whole, um, 
you know, interview the same way. It was all audio, but he didn't do the video part. He told, tells me he like records it like a video, but without the video attachment to it. It sounds complicated. It's way above my pay grade. <laughs> I don't know. I, I try to keep things very simple around here. So I'm like, that sounds kind of complicated. Why don't you just do it like this? But but how'd it feel to be a guest on somebody else's show? It felt very awesome. It felt pretty cool. You know, I did probably ramble a lot like I usually do, but uh you know, it was a good time. You know, I um I want to be more on uh, more people's shows, but I recommend everyone using Clean Feed. But you know, they can do what they're gonna do. So, but awesome. uh, it, it was awesome. Well, what else has been happening this week other than Podtastic Audio and being a guest? Have you done anything else exciting? We mean like work wise or something? I don't or? know. Just just catching up with you. I feel like we've been kind of like passing ships because I've been so tied up with wedding stuff and with kids stuff and kicking off the new year back to work this week. And yeah, just I, I really feel like, you know, we've had our little bit of coffee time in the morning, but we haven't had as much time to slow down and really just chat about things. Well, you know, being that the weather has changed this week, it's been for the most part sunny. I mean, it looks a little gloomy out right now, but yeah. but it's actually been very sunny out this week. So because it's been sunny, what that means, it means Chris drives the sports car to work all <laughs> week long, baby doll. Oh my gosh. You've been like hand washing that thing and cleaning it up and goodness she gets better treatment than almost take, every lady in the pictures house on instagram with i know the, you post more pictures of her than you do of clover and i <laughs> well you know i mean you know you know how it goes yeah. so but i've been driving the car all week and i try to i mean you know first world problems here you know which car you want to drive to work today so <laughs> but i've been driving the car all week because like you know i feel like i try to balance out my life you know between driving the truck and driving the car uh-huh. because i feel that like i don't want to like First off, the gas prices are just ridiculous right now. You know, mm-hmm. they're super high. I don't know where you live right now, but here in San Diego, there some stations are over five dollars a gallon. Wow. Or at least close to five dollars. So I mean that truck is not you know, the best on gas mileage. So I try to uh, drive the car, which does a little better on gas. So it saves money on gas and saves money like that way. And it's kind of fun to drive. So um, although it can um, can get away from you, you can get really go really fast. <laughs> I know thing. you've been talking about at nighttime going really fast. I know I'm not gonna say this because I don't want to get in trouble. But uh, <laughs> let's just say I've, I've um, you know she's just been seeing what she's capable of. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. All within the parameters of safety and the appropriate speed limit. <laughs> well, speaking of uh, seeing what people are capable of, we have a fantastic guest this week who has shown everybody what she's capable of going through a very messy divorce, coming out on the end, and now helping people around the world, specifically women, in helping to figure out the next stage of their life. And we're going to be back with her right after this. Hey, thank you so much for being a loyal listener of The Chris and Christine Show. And as that you are a loyal listener, we have a very fun opportunity for you to get involved with the show. Ooh, tell me more. If you like to get exclusive content you can't get anywhere else, and to receive free merchandise shipped to you every single month. Ooh, I want that. Then head over to patreon.com slash the Chris and Christine Show. That is patreon.com slash the Chris and Christine Show. And welcome back, everyone. Today we have another amazing VIP guest joining us. She is a nutrition and wellness expert, a divorce coach, an author, an entrepreneur. Welcome to the show. Kelly Calabrese. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Chris and Christine. I'm absolutely honored and thrilled to be here. Well, thank you for being here, Kelly. We really appreciate this. And where in the world are you joining us from, Kelly? 
I am in a suburb of Dallas and Fort Worth, Texas. Oh, you're a Texas girl. Howdy, cowboy. How you doing? <laughs> Via New York, but yes. Oh, okay. Like what area of New York were you from? I was born in Staten Island. And when I was 13, I moved to New Jersey. So I spent 36 years there before moving to Dallas 15 years ago. So you moved to Dallas. One thing I got to think about, do you remember those old Pace Picani like hot sauce commercials? <laughs> Where like the guy would say like this was made in New York City, <laughs> New York City. <laughs> so who has better salsa, New York or Texas? <laughs> That's a good question. I have to say that I live here, but really my food is back there. There is some great food in Texas that I do love, but I was just home for Christmas, and yeah, there's just some things there that are favorites. Oh, what like what are some of your favorites? Well, I don't really eat pizza in Texas, if we're being real. <laughs> and I don't normally eat pizza, but if I'm going to have a slice in the U.S., it's probably going to be in New York. <laughs> now, New York pizza, it's a little flat pizza, so you have to fold it over, right? It's the thin crust that I like. And yeah, I mean, it'll be, you know, it'll pretty much stand out there when you fold it. Um, that's a good pizza when it's thin and it doesn't kind of flop. Uh-huh. <laughs> I heard it's the way that people in New York eat pizza. They have to fold it over like a taco. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. That's true. I don't know if I would be a fan of that. Am I just like speaking blasphemy right now? I like a How good thick you. crust pizza. So maybe Kelly, <laughs> you're gonna have to like tell me where to go next time I'm in New York so you can convert me. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> awesome. Well, what made you move to Dallas? Uh, at the time, it was a transfer that my former husband had with his company, and they brought us here. And within a couple of months of him taking that position, it was actually eliminated and the company closed. So right after we you were guys just here moved? a few months. So, so right was after that- you moved, it right after you moved, they closed. Yes. Yeah. Within a few months of of me getting here and getting the house and the kids settled, he lost that position, and then the company closed. Oh, wow. That's definitely intense. But you decided to stay and grow some roots there. And how's that been going for you? It is a great place to raise a family. I mean, we really are in an incredible community here. The whole Metroplex. I mean, anything you could want from great hospitals to schools to just outdoor spaces, great weather year round. And yeah, just geographically. I mean, in two and a half hours, you're in LA, you can get to Vegas, New York. I mean, pretty much central in the country. So it makes traveling really wonderful and great airports. You said two and a half hours to LA. That's got to be flying, not driving, right? That's flying. <laughs> sure. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm thinking like, that's pretty fast. What car do you have? <laughs> it's a new Tesla. Bugatti. No. <laughs> Bugatti. I like that. Now, I've been watching some news hap- like popping up about Texas in general and I'm seeing a number of different small business owners relocating from Southern California to Texas. Are you all seeing any type of big population boom or are you noticing a lot of growth in your area? Absolutely. So the town that I live in, 15 years ago had 3,200 people. They recently approved 30,000 homes, which brings in like, you know, 70, 80,000 plus residents. So yeah, our town doesn't even have the infrastructure for that. We don't have a grocery store. We've got little country roads. There's no real gas stations. So wow. There is a massive boom. Houses are selling in a day and with multiple offers above asking price, there is a massive boom going on here. They can't build the houses fast enough. You can't find a rental. So it is for real just a booming place. They're coming from really everywhere, but especially California. 
Yeah, so it's funny that you would mention that because this news article that I was reading just a few days ago was talking about housing prices in the Dallas and Austin area and how they've been skyrocketing and how some individuals in the community had a perception that it was because so many people were moving from California, but actually California was like less than 10% of the migrants into the state. But uh, yeah, that's what was being commented on is like everybody needs to keep their eyes on Texas and how fast they're growing and that it's a hot spot for like um, small business incubators, for industry, for the school system and infrastructure starting to really boom. And if you're looking for a job, Texas is the place to go right now. Businesses too. I heard it's great. I heard it's very business friendly, but I I mean, don't quote me on that. I'd say like, if you're going to open a business in California, the regulation is just bombard you versus uh, the strict rules that are not, I guess, as apparent in Texas, maybe. We are definitely uh, business friendly. We don't have the state income tax here. So oh, that's definitely yeah. a bonus. Cost of living used to be, you know, a lot less than California. Now it, it's still less. You still can get more house for your money here. And yeah, the, the politics are good. The schools are good. So we're happy. We're staying for now. My kids are in college here. So that's been wonderful. Ooh. That's amazing. And it seems like Texas has a really good climate for like outdoor types of stuff. Are you a pretty outgoing, outdoorsy kind of person? Every single day. Yes. I have to get outside every day. I can pretty much ride my bike year round here, which was a big bonus for me coming from the Northeast. And I'm in a community that has lakes. So every day I'll walk around the lakes and I I have to do something outside every day. I need fresh air. I need, yeah, just to be moving outdoors. Well, knowing that you're a fitness and wellness expert, it seems like that would go right up your alley and make it a little bit easier for you to even grow your reach in terms of that industry. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just healthier. You can feel you can get healthy food here. You know, people aren't bundled up with clothes and freezing and have to be indoors. So it's just sort of natural for people to be outside and walking and biking and out with at the dog park. And there's so many great amenities here. One of the things they're really good about is when they build these planned communities, they put in a lot of activity for families. So People are not buying homes with a lot of land, but in their subdivision, they can get volleyball courts and dog parks wow. and walking paths and pavilions and you know all this outdoor living. And it just makes it so fun. And it's great for community too, for people to connect. You know, Kelly, being that it is uh, just after New Year's as we record this, you know, everybody is... Speaking of wellness and fitness and all that fun stuff, is that everyone's trying to like hit the gyms and get uh, back and exercise. And and you see a lot of that in your neighborhood. People are like the day after New Year's, people are out walking and using these facilities. My neighborhood is very active year round. So it's just wonderful to, you know, my office is in the front of my house. So I can see people all day long riding bikes and scooters and walking and strollers and dogs. And so it is super active. And I moved into this neighborhood just previous to COVID and they were active then, but now they're even more active because people want to be outdoors. I think less people are probably in gyms right now. So they're using the world as their gym. Well, yeah, that's really interesting that you mentioned that because Chris and I, we used to live in an area of town. It was like very densely populated, but there wasn't a lot of sidewalks and you wouldn't see people walking around as much. And we recently in the last two months moved a little bit outside of town, but we're in a well-developed neighborhood. There's lots of sidewalks and I've been watching people doing their speed walking in the mornings, walking their dogs, getting out there and 
riding bicycles. And it's really interesting how being in an area that is kind of intentionally planned for more outdoor activity makes a difference on the lifestyle of the people that live there. Absolutely. It's a great reason to come to Texas. And they do a good job about planning these communities with a theme. So the last neighborhood I was in was a golf course. This one is all built around lakes. Some of them, like one near me is called Harvest. So everything in there is about being green and um, just environmentally friendly. They have a greenhouse where you can grow your things or someone can grow it for you. And the houses are energy efficient. And another one is actually Mediterranean. So all the homes and decor you feel like, you know, you're in Italy and others are tropical. And so they, they pick these themes. Another one is horses. So it's kind of neat how they do it. And there's different price ranges that go from, you know, like 350 to over a million. And they just have different sections in the subdivision. And they do a nice job. They put preschools in there and parks. And it really, really is a great place to live. There is a lot of land here. So they have room to think these things through and do it well based on what they know people want. People don't necessarily want to take care of two acres of property anymore. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they'd rather have a smaller yard, but have, you know, common living area that they can go swim and, you know, putting green and bocce ball and whatever, but not have to maintain it. I would like to move into the neighborhood that's themed after not having to take care of anything except watch Netflix all day. That's an apartment complex. Yeah, they they mow your lawn, your front lawn. There's a neighborhood next to mine that they actually do all of your front yard maintenance. So you only have to do your back. And, you know, some people just fill it in with AstroTurf or rocks (laughs) or a pool. So less to do. That's amazing. Well, thanks for telling us a bit about where you live. Now, we'd love to learn more about you and your journey as a professional. And so um, Chris and I have done our research on you and we know that you are an expert, a coach in the area of nutrition, lifestyle, and wellness. Tell us a little bit about how that came to be. Yes. When I was 13, I wrote in my journal, I will be an exercise therapist. I just knew really early on, I was so happy when I was running, dancing, jumping, swimming, cheerleading, softball. I mean, anything that I could move, I was like, wow, what do people not get about this? Like, I love this endorphin rush. I always want to do this and I want to help other people to feel this good. And I also had a really strong family history of heart disease, diabetes, stroke, obesity, cancer, alcoholism. And I looked at all that and went, oh, I want nothing to do with that. So I made a commitment when I was young and I had to wait till I was 17 to get certified. But I did go on to get three college degrees and I have 27 certifications that I acquired over the years and was able to own health clubs and manage corporate fitness centers. And I founded a school to prepare people to be certified fitness professionals and that was really the first 14 years of my career before my kids were born. So that was really, you know, in the trenches and, um, you know, right. Having my pulse on everything going on, growing that industry. Cause back in the late eighties, personal training wasn't even really a thing. Right. Well, they had and that then, Richard Simmons, right? Wasn't he doing the thing? In the they 80s? did. Yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's still around. <laughs> so is that the type of work that you do where you're, um, now like, coaching people and personally training them? Or do you have a team that you manage? Well, that was, the, yeah, that was the first 14 years. And then when I came home, my kids are only 14 months apart. They're now 20 and 21, but I wanted to be able to be a mom, but still contribute to my industry on a really high level. So I started writing, I edited our industry's leading magazine. I spoke at all of our industry's conferences. Um, I was, you know, traveling around Europe speaking. That was really fun. 
got to speak on cruise ships. And so speaking was a big part of it. And then um, when we moved to Dallas, I started outdoor fitness boot camps, actually opened up a couple hundred locations in nine countries. And I became an executive with a nutrition company, became one of their top achievers. So that was really fun. Wrote a, a few best selling books and did quite a bit of TV. I was on all the major networks as a lifestyle spokesperson. So wow. that was really fun too. That's amazing. Now, with it being the new year, as Chris was mentioning, and so many people are coming out of the woodworks and looking for quick fixes or all of a sudden, like, I want to get fit fast. Um, but don't always have the like perseverance and resilience. What we find is lots of different personal trainers and people that say that they're coaches offering deals and trying to you know get people to book with them. I would love to pick your brain for our audience to learn about what should they be looking for in a personal trainer or a wellness coach that would help make them have lasting results. Yeah, that is a great question. You, you definitely want to look for someone who's credible and you can ask about certifications. You can um, definitely ask for references. You can ask for, you know, before and after photos of people that they've worked <laughs> yeah. with. Those are big ones, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you, you want to um, definitely find out about their credibility and you want to find one that's going to be a match for you. So depending on your demographic and the results you're going for, you know, some people are into being a fitness competitor. Some people just want to not have back pain. Some people want extreme weight loss. So I would find someone who's getting the results that you want and hire them because there's so many different niches and nuances in fitness. So that's what I would definitely suggest looking for. Someone who's been doing it a while, who has a good track record and can show that they have proven results and possibly even some type of a, you know, a guarantee that they're willing to give you. Oh, like a money back guarantee. If you don't lose X amount of pounds in X amount of days, we'll give you the money back. Yeah. I mean, sometimes people have a program like a six week program and they say, you know, these are the expected results. And if you don't get them, we'll give you your money back. So that's a trainer who, you know, you could really be encouraged by and want to get behind because they're offering that type of a guarantee. But also it falls on to the individual who's doing the actual training. Like if yeah, you're absolutely. if you're training, but like your meals are Big Macs and milkshakes. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how it's going to work out too well. You know, you have to like be all in, I would think. Right. Yeah. There's always going to be parameters. Like you've got to show up for every workout. You've got to keep your food log. You've got to do your weigh-ins. And so there's going to be some type of accountability, whether they use an app or something to track that they actually showed up and did the work. They're journaling, they're checking in. So absolutely, it, there's got to be you know accountability on their end. Now, given that you have such a deep history in this industry, I would love for you to enlighten our listeners on what you view are some of the, I don't want to call them edgy, but maybe the more precarious or dangerous health trends that you're seeing out there that our listeners should avoid. Yeah, there's something called biohacking, which has been around for a few years. And biohacking basically is doing what works for your biology. And there's so many amazing things that you can do for free, like breath work, you know, like uh, ice baths and meditation. You know, there's so many great things that are out there that are incredible and safe and healthy and good. And then there's some things you can do for a little bit of money that helps you to look and feel young. But then there's some extreme things that people are doing that are not necessarily safe or proven. They're still, you know, considered risky 
you know, people are injecting their bodies with different things, whether it's, um, you know, stem cells and some Mm -hmm. stem cells are good, but I mean, really like doing their entire body. Um, so I would not say to take anything to the extreme. I love to do everything that's natural. You know, I love juicing. I love raw foods, um, breath work, meditation, anything that enhances you, you naturally natural skincare. I love collagen. I love green drinks, all of that. Well, Kelly, um, speak, I would definitely go for speaking on the uh, green drinks. Are you happy to be a vegetarian at all? I am mostly vegetarian. I don't eat out a lot, but when I do, if it's a good quality restaurant, which is really the only place I like to eat, I'm probably <laughs> going to get some salmon. <laughs> okay. Um, but I, I mostly do vegetarian. I don't really do uh, any meat, but I do enjoy a good, delicious piece of salmon once in a while. So no red meat then at all, really? I don't do red meat. You know, occasionally I was at my mom's this, even for Christmas and she will make her famous meatballs. So I'm probably having a meatball, you know, once a year at Christmas at mom's, <laughs> but that's about it. Okay. Well then what kind of New York pizza do you eat? Um, I like the thin crust. I like the margarita, which is giving you oh. sort of little bigger chunks of the mozzarella cheese. Mozzarella. And, uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Awesome. I was wondering if you got like, if you splurged when you got a good slice of New York pizza, but I love a good margarita pizza. Margarita is uh, good. I do love the veggie too. For, um, that You can get a great veggie pizza too. Now, speaking of eating and food, I, you know, I've gone through the pandemic and I'm starting to go back to working in the office a couple of days a week. And there are a number of my work colleagues that are doing this thing. Um, I think it's related to like fasting. They talk about like not eating for like 10 hours and then eating whatever they want for several hours. And I was wondering if you're familiar with that trend. I am very familiar. So intermittent fasting basically has feeding windows and fasting windows. There's many different ways that you can do it, but one of the more popular ones is to really stretch your fasting. So in the morning, you're not having breakfast until 11 or 12 or one, or maybe even two o'clock. So you're having like maybe a six to eight hour feeding window. And then the rest of the time is fasting. And what it does is it helps to rebalance your hormones. So helping with testosterone, estrogen, just really keeping everything regulated. It increases your human growth hormone. It helps with autophagy, which basically is a fancy word for getting rid of those dead cells in your body. Yeah. Yeah, we never really get deep enough because we're always eating. So we don't give our body a chance to really go deep and get rid of those, you know, the cells that die off that stay in our body. Um, Yeah, it's great for fat burning, great for metabolism, great for healthy aging. Usually you wind up eating less because you're basically skipping a meal. And longevity studies show people who live longer eat less. So that's one way to eat less. And in time, you're not hungry. And a simple way to do it is just start pushing your breakfast out 30 minutes, 30 minutes, 30 minutes. And eventually you're not even hungry. Um, So, And I start with liquid. So I might have just water with lemon when I wake up. And then a few hours later, I might have some collagen. And a few hours later, I might have aloe water or cucumber water. None of that will break the fast. And then I might have a pressed green drink. And then eventually I'm going to have a meal. It's usually for me around one or two o'clock. And I like a Mediterranean style meal. And then I kind of reverse as the day goes where I might have some blueberries and um, maybe a vegan protein drink and kind of wind down my day. So I'm not finishing with a big meal at night. 
That makes sense. Now, you were talking about liquids and certain liquids not breaking the fast. So does coffee with creamer in the morning break the fast? The creamer would, the coffee wouldn't. And with coffee, you want to look for a low acid coffee and organic coffee would be best because you don't want anything acidic. And some coffees yeah, are. Yeah. Um, what we do, I found this little trick, is that we put salt in our coffee grinds when you brew. And that's supposed to remove the, the acid, right? Well, the okay. acidity yeah. taste of it. But I'm asking because Chris is like, we sit here in the studio and we're like motioning at each other because um, he was just, we were talking yesterday about how I've kind of unexpectedly been losing weight. I've been a lot more active in the evenings or and because of my wedding business. But when I was listening to you and I was thinking about how my eating patterns have adjusted over the last couple of weeks, I find myself not consuming my first real meal until, you know, closer to like one or two o'clock because I just wake up and have coffee, but I do have creamer. So then technically it's not the intermittent fasting, but I'm kind of getting there. Maybe Chris, I can just modify a little bit and maybe it'll jumpstart some weight loss for me. There you go. Yeah, that that'd be great. So dairy would break the fast, but again, if it's like a you know a tablespoon, it, it's not. Well, so you use it a coffee cup. I mean, coffee cup. What do you put in those things? Maybe a little splash. <laughs> yeah. Well, Chris likes to say that I have um, coffee with my creamer. So. <laughs> yeah, I know okay. people will do that. Yeah, yeah. but hey. that's really insightful to me because I've wondered about that trend of intermittent fasting, and I was wondering like what the benefit of it was and. If because I was always programmed like if you're not eating three regular meals a day and hydrating, you're going to set your body into starvation mode and then it's going to hold on to more fat instead of losing it. So how do you help demystify that for our listeners? Well, the hydration is definitely important. I mean, get in that, you know, gallon or close to it a day. So you're hydrating absolutely all day long. And as the day goes on, you know, then you're drinking less at night. So you're not waking up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom but absolutely stay hydrated. You can get some good nourishment from those things that won't break the fast. So I do love things like cucumber water, coconut water, aloe water, um, water with lemon, and then start to increase to a green drink that has, you know, a little more substantial things in it, including fiber because the fiber is important. Um, so you're, I, I thought the same thing. In fact, my training as a clinical exercise physiologist is that you need to be feeding all the time. But it's just not true. There are bodybuilders, you know, a massive amount of muscle that are all natural that do intermittent fasting. Um, I do use a keto drink, which helps to take away your hunger, but it keeps your body in ketosis, which is a fat burning mode. So there's little tricks that you can do to support yourself. Personally, my energy is great. I feel like I'm 27. I'm 52. No one can even believe my age. Um, I have to put my, <laughs> I have to put myself to bed at night, not because I'm tired, but because I'm like, okay, like stop, stop, <laughs> just go to bed now. It's, it's going to be 11 o'clock. I'm not tired at all, but I just know that I, I need to go to bed. <laughs> hey, so Kelly, you're mentioning drinks and stuff for a while there. I was like on like a, what do you call it? Like a smoothie diet, but those have too much sugar in those things. Right. Cause like yes. I would make my own smoothies at home or go to like Java juice, things like that. But it's like you're chock full of sugars, right? There's a lot that do have quite a bit of sugar. You can make your own, you know, you can come up with your own recipes and kind of experiment. If you have a juicer at home, you know, using greens, if celery is great, um, if you kale, want to maybe? kale is good, cucumber is good. Um, you can use 
uh, ginger, turmeric. I mean, all of those have really good properties for cleansing and metabolism and immunity boosting. So you can have fun finding some recipes and making your own. Right. But yes, without the added sugar. So when you go into places like you mentioned, they do add syrups and um, you know things that increase the sugar content significantly. You can use a vegan protein shake that might just have one or two grams of natural sugar okay. to get the protein. In. But natural sugar is probably better than the, than the ones they sprinkle in there. I would think. Like like I was using when I was making my own, I was using like fresh strawberries and fresh. Um, yes. Like uh, not fresh, but like the frozen bag of like blueberries and things like that. You <laughs> He's know? like fresh, but not fresh. It's frozen <laughs> well, and it's, it's in a bag. Well, it's, it's not, not like, something I cleaned it's, myself. It's not like it's like a liquid or already pre-made. Like or is it? You know, like a it's, they do sell those like juice fresh boxes. frozen. Yes, fresh frozen, but it's actually fresh fruit that is frozen, not like a liquid that is pre-packaged. They just dump right. in there like a syrup right. or something like McDonald's would use. You know, right? But, uh, but yeah. I would do those a lot, and eventually I thought they were just too sweet and there's just too much. Right. Yeah. So you can, the, the fresh frozen actually is not bad because as soon as it's picked, they freeze it. So it does pack in all the nutrition versus when they pick it and then they get it packaged and then it gets put on containers and then put on a truck and then delivered to our grocery store. And then we actually go in, could, could be days later and buy it. And then we get home and eat it even days later. From the moment it's picked, the nutritional value goes down so when they get it and they know they're going to freeze it, it gets frozen right away. So it's not a bad option. But yeah, the syrupy ones, those are not good. Always just get berries. So the berries are among the best fruit. They're lowest in sugar and they're high in antioxidants and phytonutrients, which Ooh. are the cancer-fighting ones. So that's cancer what we want. Cancer-fighting. Look out, cancer. We're coming for you. <laughs> the cure for cancer lies in the frozen strawberries. That's right. <laughs> well, that's very insightful, Kelly, everything that you've been sharing about health and fitness. But there's another aspect of your background that I'm very intrigued with. Um, but I want to kind of set the stage. So we know that our world has been proceeding through a pandemic for going on two years. We're just two months away from it being two years. And one of the things that Chris and I have talked about multiple times on the podcast are the challenges that people in relationships have been facing as they've been in quarantine together, as they've been navigating different changes in job situations, joblessness, sickness, as they go through the pandemic. And we've seen a big spike in the divorce rate. And looking at your bio, I see that you are a divorce coach. And can you give us a little bit of background on if you don't mind sharing on how you got started in this aspect and how you're personally connected with the industry. Oh, thank you. I don't mind at all. So from the pain comes purpose. I was married for 24 years and my husband came home and said, my commitment to our marriage is zero. He told he you left. that he told just like that, or did he just, was yeah. there any, 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 is it bigger, uh, bigger picture than just that? Yeah, well, we um, it was it was in March several years ago, and we were sitting down to do taxes, and you know some conflict came up, and I said, well, why don't we go to a counselor? And so we went to the counselor, and one of the first things he asked was, on a scale of one to ten, what's your commitment to your marriage? And he had us write it down on a piece of paper, and I wrote a ten, and he wrote a zero. No <laughs> so, way! Oh my gosh! Your that must tax be guy asked you that. Uh, no, no th this counselor. was a counselor. Oh, but oh, we okay. originally had started over a discussion about taxes. <laughs> well, that must have been kind of jarring, not kind of, severely jarring for you. And even if you have some conflict, it might have felt like really far out of left field. 
It, it did. I was definitely shocked. And that's really the beginning of the grief cycle, which I knew nothing about, even having studied personal development for all the years that I did and all the coaching that I did and the loss I had had in my life prior to this. But it starts with shock and then you go into denial and there's anger and there's bitterness and you know depression and none of it is linear. You kind of jump around as you're triggered from thing to thing. But I I went on a sabbatical for about three years where I needed to figure out how to make the pain stop and what went wrong and what was my part in it and how can I never repeat that again. And there really was no one place for me to do that. So I went to divorce recovery. I went to counseling, went to the healing center, went on retreats. I read the books. I listened to the, the sermons, the podcasts, all the things. And I finally got to a place where I felt like, okay. I feel like uh, I know who I am. I feel like I've forgiven. I feel like I'm present and excited about the future. And I got two kids off to college successfully. So now what? And I really felt this call to help divorce women. And part of the reason was as I was getting divorced, I had eight friends getting divorced at the same time. And I just watched what everyone was doing, you know, you have this gaping hole in your heart. That's just so painful and you're going to do something to make it stop. So some people isolate, some people, you know, turn to alcohol, some escape, some will run into the arms of another man or woman. And I wanted, I wanted to do something healthy and I wanted other people to do something healthy because of my background in health, fitness, nutrition, and wellness So then I got committed to helping people because I saw too many women just stuck in the grief and the confusion and the depression. And I just hate that. You know, it doesn't have to be the, the end of your life. It could be the beginning of something great. Absolutely. And you mentioned something just a few moments ago where it was this journey of three years and you know, from going through divorce myself and, you know, Chris, I'm not gonna speak for you, but you have also gone through a divorce. My personal experience was that People responded to my grieving process differently in my perception than if I would have lost my spouse and become a widow. And I felt like at times that people don't, they don't understand the depth of the grief that you go through when you have a divorce and give you enough time to heal. There's comments about, oh, are you going to start dating again? Or almost like a, when are you going to quote unquote, get over this? And so can you talk a little bit about that and how you've helped people through that perception of that external perception of needing to get over it and kind of being rushed out of their grief? Absolutely. Knowing what I know now, I was a terrible friend to my friends who got divorced. I mean, I didn't even know. I didn't know what to say or what to do. Or, I mean, it's like if someone says my house burned down, unless your house is burned down, like you don't know, or if someone had an abortion or, you know, whatever it was, if you have not experienced it, you have no idea. And it's like, wow, I want to go back to every one of my friends and apologize to them. This was awful. I was a terrible friend. So I did have friends who came up to me who were previously divorced and said, ah, you'll see, it'll be the best thing that ever happened. I was like, no, you're being mean. I don't want to be divorced. I, like, I really thought it was terrible that they would say that, like, just because you're divorced, I, you know? Mm-hmm. So I didn't understand <laughs> that you really can get over it. It does take time for sure. Time is part of the equation, but it takes intention. 
you definitely have to be intentional about wanting to be well, because a lot of people do stay in that victim place and there are horrible stories. I mean, now that I've worked with hundreds of women and I'm not, you know, by any means taking anything away from the difficulty and, you know, there's abuse and all kinds of terrible things that happen behind closed doors. There's a lot of mental illness involved, but you can still overcome whatever it is. So, you know, we talk about their emotions and I ask them some really good questions to get them to think differently about their situation. And, and how do we get them from that place of being a victim? Because a lot of people were to that place of victory. And really the tipping point is building up the resilience, building up the courage that when you've been knocked down 10 times, you get up that 11th time. And I, I just know from working with women and getting certified as a divorce coach that there's certain things that um, weigh heavy on them. For example, if you left the marriage, you carry a lot of guilt for breaking up your family mm -hmm. and shame. So we have to deal with that. If you were the one left, you're dealing with a tremendous amount of rejection. So just understanding, you know, little nuances like that to help people, you know, feel worthy again, either way, and that they don't have to keep suffering. So Kelly, what do you think from your experiences of coaching these women, what do you think is probably the number one catalyst that kind of starts the divorce process for these couples? Like, what do you think is the one thing that you hear a lot of? Well, definitely communication. You, you've got two people with two backgrounds and there's all kinds of statistics that show how likely are you to get divorced. And I was actually one of the least likely, you know, if you look at things really? like are your, yeah, our, our culture was similar. Um, our family backgrounds were similar. We grew up in the similar place. We both went to Catholic schools. So our religion was, so, I mean, so many things were similar. We didn't have a big fancy wedding. We didn't live together before we got married and have an expensive ring. I mean, all the things that normally lead towards divorce are, and we did have differences. Our educations were different. Um, and we, we did have a bigger age gap. We were 11 years apart, but so going into it, you want to be as compatible as possible. Communication is huge because you've got two people who already come with whatever they have, even if they're young and they don't have a lot of baggage, they have their own hurts and feelings and mm -hmm. now they don't, we're not trained. You know, we're, maybe we didn't see a good example of marriage. So communication is key. And then money is one of the biggest things right. that couples money. will fight over. What, yeah. What, what do you mean? Is it lack of or too much or a little bit of both or resentment? Uh, yeah. I mean, a lot of trust issues come around money, a lot of um, different ideas about how to spend money. Uh, I definitely recommend that couples go through premarital counseling before, or if you're in a marriage to, you know, get with some type of financial advisor and get on a budget because it is a big part of your life. I mean, you mostly can't go through a day without having some money decisions to make. So how do you budget? How do you save? What are you going to spend on vacation? How much can you spend without talking to the other person? Like, is it 500? Is it 5,000? <laughs> Where you right. can just go out and yeah. do something. So yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of, you've got people with two very different money backgrounds that may be coming into it. So if you're not communicating, that's huge. Um, infidelity, obviously, is a big right. one. I just did a poll inside my group on Facebook. It's a private free group called Intentionally Fabulous. And I asked them, what was the number one reason for divorce? And um, 
infidelity was the number one inside my group. Yeah, that so, was both of our cases. Too. Right. But I was thinking about with the pandemic, assuming that both parties were locked down in the same house and they couldn't get outside to the infidelity. They couldn't do that. So how would a divorce happen if, uh, if they're both like locked down? Like what would be if, if you take uh, cheating off the table? Communication and money. Oh, okay. I, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Well, actually, um, the pandemic did an interesting thing for the divorce statistics. At first, the divorce statistics went down because people were together and it was like, okay, you know, we're just going to, you know, two weeks, we're going to flatten the curve for the hospitals. And so everyone's kind of waiting and wondering. And, and just like the businesses, the ones that were strong did better. And the same with the marriages, the ones that were strong did better, but the ones that were already fractured and weak. Now, when you take away, oh, I was able to stop at the bar on the way home, or I was able to, you know, have whatever side gig or habit or whatever I was doing before. And now everything is right in front of each other. There's nothing to hide. We're together all the time. And people are just saying like, you know what? Life's too short. You know, maybe they saw death during COVID. There's fear that was put in people and they just right. decided, you know what? I, I'm not happy. This this isn't worth it to me. I am i don't have to stick this out. There was a biggest search ever for prenuptial agreements. So less people got divorced, less young or, or got married rather, less people got married during the pandemic. And not just because wedding venues weren't available. <laughs> Um, because they are, it's just easier to live together because it's easier to get out. So there's less people getting committed now and they're older. So the younger people aren't getting married and the people who are not married as long, who had not been through a bunch of things together were, are getting divorced. You know, if you'd just been together a few years and now you're locked up in a small apartment together, they didn't know how to get through hard things versus couples who'd been together 20, 30 years. They've been through some stuff. They've worked through some hard things. They can get through a pandemic. Yeah. So it's interesting you mentioned that. I don't know, Kelly, if you know this, but I'm a wedding planner. And so when Chris and I, we talk about my clientele and what I've been noticing is a surge in couples who have been together for five or more years deciding to now tie the knot after they've gone through the pandemic. And I asked a couple recently, a couple of my couples, uh, what led them to decide to tie the knot after being together. One was together for seven years, another for um, 15 years. And they said that going through the pandemic and going through COVID, they realized you know they are already committed to each other and why were they holding out on this? And it's very interesting to see that dynamic coming about too. So we saw like you said, some of those relationships that were already on shaky ground disintegrating while others deciding to amp up the commitment to one another. Yes, that is that is absolutely true. And, and the statistics have been interesting with COVID for sure. The divorce attorneys are very busy. And before, it was about a 50-50 between men and women who filed for divorce. Now it's 78% women. And part of that was because they were getting a little excited that the husbands were coming home and they thought, oh, they're going to help, you know, around the house and with the oh, kids. Yeah, and chores and everything. And oh, and, and they didn't. Oh, man. <laughs> in, in, in some cases, they didn't. So the women were just, you know, really getting fed up. So 76, I think it's 76% of divorces right now are being filed by women. Wow. That's an incredible, staggering statistic. Now, seeing that women are predominantly your clientele or only your clientele, what does divorce coaching actually look like when it comes to supporting an individual? 
Yeah. So, I mean, I do have a program. It's eight weeks and I chose the topics that I felt were the ones that really moved the needle in getting people healed and helping them to love themselves again and just live in gratitude and get healthy and get excited about their life. So I, I do have an eight-week program. Uh, there's a basic program that anyone can do. It's $397. And at the end of eight weeks, they really do feel amazing. And then I have a second level where I did 21 additional interviews of the people who helped me that I handpicked on my journey. So it's my grief counselor, my breath therapist, my divorce recovery coach. So they get to be a fly on the wall to those interviews. And then I do still do some uh, one-on-one coaching. So in that coaching, that's where, you know, we can get to the heart of their personal matters around, you know, maybe unforgiveness or how they might be feeling unworthy or the confusion that they're having or the fear around money. So in the personalized coaching, we can get into their personal things, but a divorce coach really helps you when your world is blown up and there's so many decisions to make and you're just at the bottom, you're worn out, you're in chaos and you know, just to really help you with support and clarity and, um, you know, to just guide you in making some of those hard decisions because as the coach, I'm not emotionally, you know, involved in your, you know, outcomes, but I want the best possible outcomes for you. So just guiding them where, because I'm ahead of them and trained, I can see things that they can't see and give them the insights and the wisdom and it helps them to manage their stress and uh, saves them money, saves them time. It empowers them. So many women especially feel like they're at a disadvantage in the divorce because maybe the man has the money or he's in the house or, yeah, he's the provider. So just giving them power, understanding how to negotiate, that kind of stuff. So Kelly, speaking about the money and money situations, uh, I got a very important question to ask you, and I've brought this up to Christine, and we brought this up to everybody else that we've mentioned this to, is one thing I always hear about is when you do get married, that you are supposed to, or you should, uh, join finances into one union bank account. We chose not to. What is the best strategy behind that, do you think? Well, um, financial advisors would definitely say to have everything together. I did not. Um, I married someone who had a terrible financial background. He was, well, recently divorced when I met him and he was, um, bankrupt, foreclosed on, he owed money to the IRS, he owed money all over town. Um, you know, all all these things were not revealed initially, but I I found that over time, his credit was ruined. And so I never kept our finances together. Um, I was always on the house, on the cars, everything. Right. I think that's kind of the way I I was thinking the same thing too, because my ex-wife, same situation. I mean, not as bad as you're just saying, but as far as like money goes. So I found it easier just like when Christine and I got together with our finances. I mean, we know what's, what's due. We know what bills are due. We know how to take care of stuff. So um, she'll keep hers deposited in her account. I'll keep mine deposited in my account and uh, we'll meet in the middle. <laughs> oh. But I think you were going to finish saying something about that's the yeah. way that you did things. But yeah, I would say it's most excellent to keep it combined. If, if Especially if both have income and you're putting it together and managing it together this way. You know, if the wife doesn't have income, she doesn't always feel like she has to go and ask because you decide oh, ahead yeah. of time, like, okay, what's the budget to run the house? Okay, how much sort of, you know, fun blow money do you get to have every month? And um, so it just creates a level of trust between the two of you because so much mistrust can happen around money with frivolous decisions and oh yeah 
Yeah. It's just when you're, when you're together, when you say I do, when you're united, you're really bringing everything together. And it's something that gives you the opportunity to, to talk about, to work on together, whether it's managing the checkbook, the investments, the budget, whatever it's part of life and communication. And one of you may be better than the other one typically will be, doesn't matter man or woman who's better at numbers and who's more organized. That person should be more in charge, but there should be definite communication about it. Definitely. Now, I wanted to float back before Chris took us on the money talk. He loves to talk about money, money by train. the way. Um, <laughs> so when you were talking about your services as a divorce coach, when you are working with women as they're going through divorce, is it recommended that they also are going through some type of therapy at the same time? Or does this take the place of that? Um, most of my clients will do both. So they might be, um, I did counseling. I went through the healing place. I had a number of different counselors that helped me with different things. So one, for example, was really energy, just moving the negative energy, breaking those, you know, soul ties and all of that. So different ones do different things, but the divorce coach, what, what I do, and I'm not an attorney and I'm not an accountant, but I really help them to get whole, get healed, get set free, to create a new plan for their life, um, to keep them calm, to get rid of the fear. That's mostly what I focus on forgiveness, getting rid of the confusion and, you know, help them with life skills and also abundance because poverty is, you know, just such a part, especially for women that uh, they have to deal with. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I have a number of uh, women in my life that I know are navigating kind of tumultuous relationships. They're teetering on separation, are separated, are going through divorce. And I I know that there's all of the things that you've mentioned, which is like that fear, the attachment challenges, the, you know, figuring out what to do next. Do I run away? Do I run to someone? Everything that you've mentioned. And then I know for myself on my own journey, I was kind of spinning out for a little bit after my divorce and like, how do I start to jumpstart myself? I'm a doer. I'm a fixer. And so it was, I'm going to fix myself. And, you know, I ran to fitness for a while, but then I was overdoing that. And then it was like, well, do I get out, out there and start dating? But I really found for me that the healing came when I stopped trying to keep spinning my wheels and I sat down with a professional, multiple f- professionals. And I went to a yoga retreat and um, went through my own healing journey with therapists and had to dig deep into um, the trauma because there is a depending on how your divorce is unfolded, there is a degree of trauma that goes along with the grief, no matter what triggered that divorce of, you know, am I ever going to be worthy of love or am I ever going to love again? And so it seems like your services would be in high demand. Yes, that is that is absolutely true. And you know, it's a matter of, and I, I know I work with women. I have absolutely nothing against men. I know that they oh, suffer equally you. as much for sure. Um, my heart is just for the women because I am one and I, I see what a lot of the women go through. But yeah, I, I definitely believe that they need multiple approaches because sometimes you need to hear something more than once from one person and your girlfriends or even guy friends don't even necessarily know what to say. As we said before, like we weren't trained, we didn't know how to help them. Right. So you do need to get professional help. And why make it drag on seven years if you can in a year 
just be so much better. And and I know men are sometimes better candidates for divorce coaching because they're like, I, I got to, this pain's got to stop. I can't focus. I can't think I'm going to lose my business. I, right. I you know, I want to be present for my kids. Um, so I need to do this quick. So I'm going to hire a coach that's going to help me in 10 weeks right, right. and I'm going to be better. So Kelly, I was going to ask you about this. Uh, as far as a pain healing process goes, do you think it makes much of a difference whether you are married for say one year or 20 years and you get divorced? Uh, is do you find women who, I mean, do they, if they were only with their partner for, say, a year or two and they get divorced versus 20-something years, does the pain about the same level or is it more or less? Well, from what I've seen, longer seems to be more painful. But also, if they were the one who left, the person who leaves has been thinking about it on average for two years. So that person has a two-year, maybe even plus, head start on the other person. So if you've been thinking about leaving, you're already thinking about how you're going to tell your family, where you're going to live, what you're going to say at work. Like you really have a bigger jump start. And so the one who leaves, um, I think may have it a, a little bit better than the one who is left and feels all that deep rejection. I think it depends on how, does it happen suddenly? Like all of a sudden you saw a text, he's having an affair and there, you know, there's that explosion or is it a slow fade where you both know you've been unhappy for a long time um, so sometimes it's a matter of decision where you just make a decision in your mind and other has to do with identity. Like if you were really, your soul was just so connected to this person, your whole life was just wrapped around them and you saw yourself as, you know, just being their spouse and then that blew up and that can shatter people, even if it's only been a year or a few years, cause they had all these dreams and they you know, this life that they thought they were going to the altar, never to be divorced. So it depends a lot on their identity and, and how right, much value right. they put in the marriage. Right. It's almost like as if, if you can put it in another context, if you just got hired for your dream job, it's going to be a million dollar salary and the company looks great. And then you go there your second day on the job and the place is out of business. <laughs> and you're like, what do I do now? What do I do now? Right. You know? Yes. So... Kelly, you've had this personal journey that's taken you through nutrition and wellness, which is still a heavy thread in your life, and your your sudden realization of needing to go through divorce has triggered this next chapter in your life of divorce coaching. What else has been happening in your life beyond these two things? I see that you've been writing books. Like, Where does that come into play? <laughs> um, well, the books, the first book was called Mom and Dad Panure, and that was before COVID and it was before divorce. And that basically was about, you know, being able to be a, a super achiever in your field to, you know, really contribute, but still be able to raise your family. So that was about coming home and finding your niche and, and working and earning an executive pay from home. Uh, the second book was called Passionistas, and that was about what would you say to your younger self? So knowing what you now know, what would you tell your 20, 30-year-old self? And the, so that was a book on wisdom using stories. And then the last one was called Success Habits of Super Achievers. And that was stories about ordinary people that something unreasonably difficult happened to, that they got resilient and they overcame and they did something extraordinary with it. And that is really to give people hope and inspire them because when you read one of those stories and there's over 80 stories in there, if you read one a day, you'd get up every day and go, wow, if that person could do that, then I can handle my day today and I can tackle whatever I need to. So there's always this theme of, you know, hope and letting love win. That's always going to be, you know, 
I want people to be healthy. So that that's always going to be the theme about whatever I do. Yeah. It sounds like your life mantra is growth over stagnation and um, this kind of continuous improvement mentality. Where do you think that was rooted in? Yeah, I would say that again, going back to the pain and the pleasure that I just love being healthy. I love being fit and active and moving and feeling good and having energy. And, you know, when I walk in the room, I want people to go like, wow, what, what is, what does she have? What is she doing? I want that not in a jealous way, but she just has good energy. Like I feel that. And I want that. Um, versus the opposite where I don't want to walk around depressed and victim mode and just carrying the weight of the world on me because the world is hard. There's going to be struggle and trouble in the world. There is, I mean, we just finished a year and people are looking back and there were, you know, wins and losses. There were struggles and victories. So we have a choice about everything we do every day. And our thoughts are the result of what's in our life right now. So I want to give people hope that things could be even better. Definitely. And we appreciate that you have given so much hope to our listeners as it relates to health and wellness, as it relates to divorce care and entrepreneurship. So with that being said, how can our listeners connect with you and where can they find out more about you? I would love if they emailed me. I honestly read and answer every single email. So if they go to Kelly with an I at Kelly. Calabrese, C-A-L-A-B-R-E-S-E.com. I will answer every email. If they're a woman who has any issues that have to do with relationships, they can go to my free Facebook private page. It's called at Intentionally Fabulous. So it's Intentionally Fabulous. And I also have a, a website, Intentionally Fabulous, where they can see about the program and um, if they hear this before January 18th, I'm doing a free seminar on eight ways to thrive after divorce. So they're welcome to join that free seminar and I'll have the replay as well. Fantastic. That's amazing. Yeah, we'll definitely make sure that we get this episode out before then because we want our listeners to take advantage of that. So for all of our listeners out there, as you're facing a new year and possible uncertainty about your future and your relationship, uh, ladies, reach out to Kelly. She has some amazing resources for you. We're going to put all of her information in our notes from today's podcast. And you can definitely reach out to her. And you said it's intentionally fabulous. Yes. I love that so much. Any last words of wisdom, Kelly, that you'd like to leave with our listeners today? I would say let love win. Let that be the lens that you look through life with, just always going for the highest possible good in every situation until it's a present tense reality. Just let love win. Oh, I love that. I love that so much. Thank you so much for being with us on the show today, Kelly. It's my pleasure. Thank you both for bringing the show to the world. The world needs it. Hey there, K2 crew. We love having you as our loyal listeners. To keep up to date with what's happening behind the scenes, check us out on social media. Yeah, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. And don't forget to follow our Facebook page. Yeah, tag us in your favorite fun stories. And guess what? You might just end up on the show. Well, I found that to be a super insightful interview with Kelly. What did you think, Chris? Kelly was adorable. I love her so much. (laughs) Yeah, I felt like she gave some really great tips and uh, actually have reached out to a couple of my friends that are navigating separations and divorces to try and connect them with her because I really do feel like women, I mean, all people that have gone through a divorce need somebody to like help them figure out how to get back up and reinvent themselves. But I think that Women specifically, sometimes we can hold on to things and it can really impact us from being able to move forward in our life and just having like 
a really good person to help kind of, I don't want to say kick you in the pants, but help you navigate those really challenging times would be really beneficial. Right. It's not the end of the world. It may feel like the end of the world for you right now because, I mean, everybody goes through breakups and heartaches at some point in their life. And I think for me when I was younger, I remember that like it felt if you got rejected on a date or a girl didn't like you or if, uh, you know, if you break up with somebody, you know, even when you're younger, like, you know, Zeke, he was getting very frustrated when he'd go through this emotional breakups with these different girls that he was dating or liked or, or whatever. And it was very soul crushing, you know, and, keep and it does, I mean, it amplifies when you're older and you're like breaking up a marriage or something that's right. been established. And right. so I think you're right that this interview, I think, is going to help a lot of people be able to reflect on where they're at and where they want to go next in their life. And I'm just really grateful that Kelly decided to join us on the show. Fantastic. Well, you got anything else, baby? We wrap this up. Nope. I just wanted to remind everybody that uh, if you like what you heard and you want to learn more about us, definitely subscribe to the podcast player where you're streaming us from right now. And you can also visit our website. And where is that found, Chris? Yeah, that's chrisandchristineshow.com. And guess what? It doesn't even matter how you spell it. Because it'll find us. That's <laughs> yeah, good. I bought a few domain names. That's how it works on that. Awesome. And so thank you all for listening. We hope that this was of great benefit to you. And we will be back with you next week.